Hello and welcome to Not So Molly Mormon Podcast. Hello, you guys, and welcome back. This is Sarah. And this is Katie. Uh, welcome. Welcome, welcome. Like we <laughs> Hi, always say. guys. Welcome. Hello. It's been, um, it's been a week, Katie. How's, how's yours been? You know, it's been 2020. It's been fine. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's been pretty good. Um, we have some good news to share. We have two new patrons. So I love hearing that. Yes. So hello to patron Clint and Emma. Hi, you guys. Thank you so much for joining us. (laughs) Hi, Clint and Emma. Also, I feel like Clint, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but that is like such a Southern name. So are you from the South? Because I know so many Clints from where I'm from. From Georgia? From the deep South. Yes, the only um, Clint that I know is definitely a cowboy. So anyway, we're totally stereotyping you, but yeah, sorry. Thank you, thank you for being here and joining us. Um, I don't know if you have any other announcements, Sarah. Um, not really. I just kind of oh, <laughs> so annoying, but you guys love it. You love my extra little side bits. <laughs> I was chatting with Katie earlier this week about this podcast. Speaking of the South. I have to just chat with you about it for two hot seconds on here. So (laughs) Up and Vanished, if you guys haven't listened to it, oh my God, like (laughs) podcast recommendation corner, listen to it. It's been out for ages and people have been telling me about it for like years and I just haven't listened because I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to give Sarah a little tiny bit of shit because... (laughs) She was, you know, very excited. She told me about Radio Rental a while ago, and I immediately started listening to it. And I was like, these are the same guys that do Up and Vanish. And I, like, told you about it. And you were like, oh, yeah, I think I've been, like, someone said I should, like, listen to that. Yeah, that was forever ago, Sarah. (laughs) And now you just started listening. (laughs) It's true. I have this issue. Like, it's really bad where people tell me, like, they recommend things. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mental note. And then totally push it to the side. And, like, literally my childhood friend back in Georgia told me about this. Like, I want to say, like, however long it's been out. And I was like, oh, really? It's about, like, a murder mystery in Tifton, Georgia? Which is, y'all, I'm, like, from the town next to there. Like, I grew up, like, on Friday nights, we would go ride the Tifton Strip. Like, I'm not exaggerating. So this murder case is fucking blowing my mind because it's also around like 2005, Mm -hmm. which is when I graduated. So some of these people mentioned in here, I'm like, I need to look them up to see if I know them because it's crazy. Anyways, yes, Katie told me, like five other people told me and I was like, oh, my God, I listened to it. And then I think I discover it myself the other day. And I'm like, have you heard of this podcast up and vanished? And I just respond and I'm like, yes, Sarah. (laughs) He's like, no, in your adorably polite way. Um, I think I told you about it. Maybe well, I mentioned it. I was like, did I tell her? Maybe I forgot about telling her. And then I like thought about it longer, and I was like, I think I definitely told her about this. <laughs> you definitely did. I'm just the worst. No. Anyways, that's my only little plug. If you guys like true crime, if you probably have already heard of it, watched it, or listened to it multiple times, and I'm just super behind. But if you haven't listen to it. it has adorable southern accents is how I should sound but I no longer have that accent so yes you do you have it it's cute <laughs> but not as strong 
Right. Anyways, right, right. even more exciting news, you guys. Are you ready? Are you ready? Katie? Yes. Yes, I'm ready. We have a very special guest today. She is a patron, which we love and adore all of you guys, as well as people who just listen and support us as usual. Of course, we love everyone. But even more exciting, we have June on the show today. Hi, Hi. June. Hello. Oh, girls, oh my god, as I was sitting here when you guys were doing the introduction, I was like, oh my god, I'm totally fangirling right now. It's taking, I, I was silent screaming. Like, if there were a video of what was happening when you guys were doing the introduction, you would have seen me like visibly just like, like screaming on my insides, like, oh my god, I'm actually to be a part of this. <laughs> this is an honor. I adore you both so much. I was telling my boyfriend that I was coming on the podcast, and I was like, I've kind of taken parts of like you know Katie the way she says yucky all the time like I brought that into my vocabulary all the time when he was talking about some you know crazy Mormon bullshit I'm like ew that's so yucky and and then I love how Sarah's like southern accent comes out and I just I mean I'm from Texas I'm from the south and so I get it and I just I love you both so much so thank you so much for having me on today. You just made my whole entire day that I have influenced you to call things yucky. <laughs> it's so good no we're so lucky to have you on the show and, and just for you listeners June is amazing. I, I said this before. I've never met her, but like many of you listeners who reach out to us and follow us on our personal accounts, I'm like, oh yeah, they're like my other best friend. Like I feel like I know June and like we're we're tight and we've never met. And I'm just like, oh yeah, June, cool. You're gonna be on the show. Let's chat. And then she comes on with her. I love it. I know. And then she comes on with video, and she's even more stunning. And I'm like. Girl, Katie and I are not turning on video. We love you, but turn that off because I haven't brushed my hair all day today. I'm not wearing a bra. We're not doing that. <laughs> right? So true. Um, but yes, we're so happy to have June on the show. And she's going to be able to talk about something that we have gotten requests for for, I mean, years now. Right, Sarah? People yeah. have asked us to talk about things dealing with parenting and and stuff like that within Mormonism, losing your faith, mixed faith, um, parenting, and June has experience with that. So June, I don't know if you want, where you want to begin, but the platform is yours. You can tell us from as far back as you want, like your story about being Mormon and leaving Mormonism or whatever you have planned, we are totally open to hearing. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> and also, sorry, just one thing, which yeah. is funny that I'm saying this. Be prepared for us to interrupt you, as I just no. did right now. No, just I love it. because I'm right. like, I get super excited, and I have questions, and I'm that annoying person who's like, whoa, 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 wait. Let me ask a question. So, <laughs> apologies Absolutely. in advance. That will allow me to kind of focus my stream of consciousness and not just be speaking like I'm an idiot, almost like I'm speaking in tongues. So <laughs> we go there. We believe in the gift of tongues. <laughs> so yeah, my story. Um, I grew up. My my parents. My mom is actually a convert. She's from Japan, and my dad served his mission in Japan. They met there. They got married. So I essentially, I grew up. I was born in the Covenant, as, mm-hmm. as they say. Yeah. Um, I grew up in West Texas. 
Wow. And did um, seminary. I got my young womanhood recognition. And, you know, I was that, you know, typical textbook Molly Mormon of all the things I was supposed to do. Um, and then I went to BYU because my grandfather talked me out of going to Baylor because he was like, Baptists hate Mormons. And so you can't go there because oh. you may die, which whatever. But which was funny coming from my grandfather who had been inactive since he was a teenager. Really? Uh, Yes, and so I ended up going to BYU and uh, spent Wait, two years sorry. there. I'm being that annoying person. Too oh, great. <laughs> About Baylor, which is like so sad that you didn't go to Baylor instead of BYU. Yeah. Totally get it. I, I was like, one of Gaines because she's only like a few years older than me. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I remember there was a guy in my high school who <laughs> literally like four years after high school still was like, how was Baylor? And I was like, I didn't go to Baylor. I went to BYU. Like, why is this so confusing for you? Um, but also, what? They both start with the B. They're both like, you know, institutions. Yeah. 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 Sorry. The other question was, what year did you go to BYU? If you don't mind. Yeah, no, not at all. I went there from 1999 to 2001. Ah, we missed each other. Okay. Yeah, I left in 2001. I was going through some, I mean, as you know, Sarah, BYU is just kind of, ugh, right? Oh, it's a mindfuck. It, yeah. yeah, completely. I had guys dating me only because I was Japanese and they served their mission in Japan. And so kind of like I was kind of became this like essentially a fetish for them because, you know, that's what they were with. And that's kind of like what they thought they wanted. And then when they realized, you know, and those most of those guys that I dated then went on to marry, you know, white women which is fine but whatever but it was just kind of like I was this novelty to them that, uh, I hate that so much I'm so, so sorry yucky. <laughs> it's yucky that's yucky it's yeah. yucky for sure and you know what we we've heard that so many times from listeners yes. like mm-hmm. it's it's just absolutely disgusting that that even exists and especially nowadays like that oh, yeah. For sure. It was like it was the beginning of the new millennium, but it was that was still happening. I I don't know if it still is. But yeah, so I, you know, went to BYU for two years and just kind of hated it and not really happy, but kind of excited to kind of be on my own. Um, My parents divorced when I was 13 and they both my mom went inactive when I was in high school, but I still stayed active and I took my siblings to church and all of that. and so BYU was kind of like the place where I, you know, was like, oh, this is what good Mormons are supposed to do. You're supposed to go to BYU and get a degree. And then, you know, as people joke, then you get your MRS degree and then you get married. Oh, yes. The perfect, pre- you know, peer priesthood and all that stuff. And I hated BYU and I went through something kind of personal. And my mom was like, you got to come home. Like, oh, that is not the place for you. You got to get the hell out of there. Good so for your mom. Yes. Yeah. I don't know if she was necessarily on board when she and my dad got married. Sorry, I'm kind of jumping around. But when my parents got married, you know, they got married in Salt Lake Temple. But that was the one and only time that she ever went to the temple. She never went back. Wow. Good. Just kind of telling in a way. Like, I wish I had been more astute and like, you know, emotionally intelligent at the age to recognize, oh, whatever went on in there was not okay. It was weird as fuck. Right. Right. No, I just didn't know any better. And so yeah. I was kind of like, oh, that's really interesting. But yeah, so she she really pushed for me to come home because, you know, I went through that 
personal thing. And she's like, you just got to come home. I needed a teaching assistant. She was teaching Japanese at a K through eight multilingual school. And so I came home uh, to West Texas and started going to singles ward there and met my now ex-husband. Uh, he was going to medical school. Uh-huh. And we dated, um, we started dating in October and then got married the next September in the Salt Lake Temple. And yeah. yeah so why the Salt Lake Temple? <laughs> Um, well, the Salt Lake, I mean, obviously I was like, you know, that's where my mom and dad got married. And then he was doing a medical way rotation at the University of Utah that next month. So we just thought it was convenient. And, you know, a lot of his family was there and it just was made it kind of easy. Yeah. Too, like with, I don't know, I, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but I feel like a lot of people kind of aspire to get married in the Salt Lake Temple. It's like one of the um, iconic temples, and it's almost like really, I don't know, aspirational for some people to get married there. Do, have you guys noticed that? Like yeah, people? definitely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. That or the San Diego Temple because it looks like Cinderella's castle. Oh, totally. That's yes. Right. I remember married in the Provo Temple because it looks like a freaking spaceship. But <laughs> it, does. <laughs> it does. We're not going to judge the people that got married in the Provo Temple, but <laughs> that's no, where not. my parents got married. Hey, uh, really? Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I don't care. I don't listen to the podcast, but sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, my parents definitely didn't get married in the temple, but Atlanta Temple is not like the pretty one I remember as a kid being like if I get married in the temple I'm gonna get married in San Diego because it's pretty oh, yeah. for oh, sure yeah. for sure so yeah um we got married in Salt Lake and his uncle actually sealed us and, and it was in there's kind of an interesting story so his uncle um was I don't know if he was a GA or one of like general authority or what he was but he had connections to the Salt Lake Temple and so we got to go in the room um, where John Talmadge wrote Jesus the Christ. So in the room that was called the Holy of Holies, where supposedly Jesus has appeared to prophets. Um, so we had a little like pre-sealing little powwow in that room. And at that time, I was kind of like, hey, that's kind of cool. Like there's some serious significance to oh, this. Yeah. I remember got to hearing meet about that room, room and how, yeah, that's where people actually saw Christ, like, appear yeah. in person, which now, looking back on it, I'm like, that's totally a lie and not true. <laughs> but, like, it's, you know, it's very mythical and, like, exciting when you're a believer that there's supposedly some special room where Jesus literally appears to people. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, being a 21-year-old kid and getting married and you're just kind of, like, you know, excited to be in love and be loved and mm-hmm. you know just you know do all that stuff you're kind of like oh this is kind of cool and then you know that's something that you can kind of brag to your other Mormon friends like like well I had that you know pre-sealing meeting in the holy of holies and blah 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 like you know, know. get to Super be like, holier than thou <laughs> yeah I oh, have yeah. to ask though yeah my one of my annoying questions so tell us a bit more about like before you got married did did you have any doubts or or hesitation about like getting married in the temple or getting married so quickly or just like the whole 
the whole Mormon dating and marriage process, like, did you ever experience doubt or was it like you trusted in the Holy Ghost and you knew that prayer, like through prayer that you were making the right decision? Oh my God, that's such a good question, Sarah. Yes, absolutely. I think hindsight is obviously 2020. And looking back, I was like, that was my, myself, like my knowing as Glennon Doyle calls it, just a forewarning, I will be quoting Glennon Doyle a shit ton. If you don't know who Glennon Doyle is, she's like the bomb ass. I call her, she's one of the Holy Trinity in my mind. Oh, I I'll love her. But um, I didn't recognize my knowing. Like we were taught our whole lives that, you know, we listen to the Holy Ghost and when something is good and we get peace and calm, right, then that's the right answer. Mm -hmm. and that's what I thought that I was feeling because I was 20 when I met my ex-husband. I was a baby, right? Mm -hmm. I had a lot of life experience. I went to BYU for a couple years, but you're, you're in such a bubble there that you don't really get accurate life experience because you're in a Mormon bubble. You don't get real world experience. You get Mormon world experience. Yeah. So coming back home to West Texas and then meeting this guy who was like seven years older than me and thinking, okay, so I got to kind of conform who I am to be with this person because he's seven years older than me. He's going to be a doctor. I, I got to kind of, you know, shut down the wild, loud, exciting, fun person and marry this person because, you know, this is what it, I was told by the Holy Ghost, this is what I'm supposed to do. And going back and looking at my patriarchal blessing, it said in there, like, you know, you will know whatever the, the bullshit terminology was. Like, you will know <laughs> by inspiration who you are supposed to marry, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, All okay, right. who I'm supposed to marry, blah, 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 you know. And I think, look, well, obviously, looking back now, like, there were definite signs that were pointing me towards do not marry this man. Do not marry this man. But I think also, like, we have to make our own choices, right? We're still human beings that are intelligent and smart and alive. And sometimes we just take a path and it just leads us in a different direction. It's not necessarily the wrong direction, but it may not be the one that was originally set for us. So Exactly. I, I agree 100% because sometimes I get a bit like frustrated with the church thinking like, God, like I, I could have done so many other things with my life. You know, I was so late in life when I left the church, you know, all these other years I could have done this and this, but at the same time, I'm like, you know, I don't regret where I am today. And knowing that like, you know, I came to Germany thinking that the Holy ghost inspired me. Right. But yeah. now I have these really great experiences and like I wouldn't have met my partner if I hadn't come here. So it's like all these different things where I'm like, yeah, of course, you can be a bit frustrated or think like, oh, I'm I'm annoyed that the church made me think a certain way and decide certain things. But at the same time, as you mentioned, we are humans, we're intelligent beings like there isn't one right way or right path. It's just a matter of getting to the same place, but just a different route, you know? Yeah. Kind of going yeah. the long way around getting to where you're actually supposed to be. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, yeah. As you were talking, Sarah, I was just thinking about, you know, like definitely no, no regrets. You know, obviously I was born in the covenant. And so it wasn't a choice that I made on my own. Like I didn't convert later as an adult, but I wouldn't change the path because I have three amazing, beautiful children. And it's, like you said, it's led me to where I am today. And I've met my now amazing partner that I have. And 
and um, all the things that we share because of Mormonism, because he's also ex exmo as well. So oh. it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of amazing how the universe just brought us together. So yeah, definitely no regrets for the path that I took. But I, if I could, like you know, people always ask, well, if you could go back, what would you tell your younger self? I'd be like, really think about it. Like think about the dreams that you wanted to do. Like think about what you want to do. Is this actually in alignment with what you want to do? Yeah. Be smart. Yes, you are young and you want to love and you want to be in love, but really, is that all that matters at this moment? You're 21. Like, you still have your whole life ahead of you. So that's so young to get married. I'm thinking about myself at 21 and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I'm oh, a child. <laughs> yes, Jeez. child bride, for sure. I remember my, my then mother in law said to me, oh, I'm just so glad that you're going to be an adult when you marry my son. I was like, fuck <gasps> you, lady. Wow. Yeah, wow. it was that was a little rough. And like, I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> oh, oh my god. That's terrible. Yeah, like, well, if you actually I want to go up to her now and be like, well, actually, your church, your prophet married a child. So you had no right to say that bullshit to me when I was actually of legal age. So exactly. <laughs> right? I know. <laughs> For sure. So you got married and were you just like happily living the Mormon life with your then husband? And yeah, I was to an extent, I think I was never like a full doctrinal Mormon. Like I didn't know the scriptures and I never, I read the Book of Mormon literally once and mm-hmm. it was kind of half out, you know, yeah. I know yeah. like the general stories, but you asked me to like quote scripture mastery. Fuck that. I don't remember that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> now it doesn't even matter. Like I can still probably quote the articles of faith. I can definitely tell you what the third token and sign and the temple is because I remember that bullshit. But the scriptures, forget about it. Creepy. But, I know. So creepy. It creeps out my partner every time I start like mumbling stuff like that. It's like you're a weird. Oh, so um, creepy. Especially because the third sign is the one that's like, on the wrist, right? It's like the. Yeah, the nail and the wrist or what? It's so fucking creepy. Yeah. So yucky. So yeah, I was more maybe more of a cultural Mormon. I I had a testimony of certain things, but I was just kind of like, okay, this is you know this is good and true, and it's helping me be a good person. And you know, I have this guy that I love, and you know, I think he kind of loves me too. And you know, we want to have a family and all this stuff. And you know, I was 21, and I thought, oh, this is gonna be my mission because back then you know, before whatever, 2000 and later in the 2000s, where they changed it to what now, 18 and a 19 for mission oh, age. Yeah. Yeah. Back then in 1990, in 2002, when I got married, women still had to be 21 to go on a mission. So I was like, oh, this is like me going on a mission and I can serve a mission leader with my husband and it'll be great. Oh. And I'll let know. You know, all that stuff. Um, But yeah, I, I think I was in to an extent. I didn't really questioned a lot of things it was it's not in my nature to sit and question things because I just was never taught that it was okay I was always coming from um, the Japanese culture where you know women are taught to be demure and respectful and quiet especially of elders Mm -hmm. just kind of sit back and just kind of take it in and not speak your mind and so I that was never I never felt comfortable with speaking my mind or being confrontational or, you know, opinionated in any way. 
so I, even in my my marriage at the time, my husband, you know, my then husband would say something, I would just kind of go with it just because I was like, okay, I don't feel different otherwise. So I'll just kind of go with it and not ever wanting to rock the boat either. So well, right. yeah, I was happy to right? Yeah. Yes, he was a worthy priesthood holder and, you know, he provided for our family and, you know, he didn't hit me and he didn't you know, do all those things. He didn't, you know, look at pornography, blah, 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 all those things, you know, so he was essentially textbook good. Mm. But you know, I dated him for such a short amount of time that you don't actually get to know somebody right. and know such actually, you know, how they are mentally. Like now I'm like looking back on it, there were signs. Like he said to me some things about, you know, his family history of, mental illness I should should have been like not that not to say that you shouldn't date anybody that has a history of that but I should have really just asked more questions yeah exactly about it. all right did I answer the question <laughs> yes <Sorry>. yes <laughs> um so I don't know if this is jumping ahead, but like, no. I guess I'm curious how, you know, you go from like, you have this temple marriage to this priesthood holder man, and you know, no. you're kind of just following the steps being like, this is my mission, blah, blah, blah. How did you start to come to question or does that come later? Did that come after maybe leaving your husband? I don't know the order of things. No, but no, I'm sure how that goes. Yeah, no, um, as they say, my shelf was kind of leaning like I don't like I said I was never fully completely in especially as I got older like I got married at 21 so there was a whole there's a whole life that you experience in your 20s you know you date lots of people you just experience a lot of things and being married so young you don't get to experience a lot of things there's not a lot of growth that happens yeah and so um I didn't like not being a person that questions a lot of things. I just kind of was going with it. And about the time that the ordained women movement hap was happening, that's when I started to kind of look at things from a different lens. Mm -hmm. I wasn't necessarily identifying as a feminist at that time. I, th I think I was like pre-baby feminist at that point, <laughs> but just looking at it and wondering, okay, why are these women doing it? And my ex-husband my well, my then husband, he's very much, you know, not so much like women in their place, but he was just like so horrible about the whole idea of ordained women. Well, why do they want that? And, you know, don't they know that, you know, the whole typical Mormon bullshit that we get fed as women? Well, you have the higher the higher priesthood of bearing children and oh, caring for the oh home and all that yucky stuff that we get fed in young women's and you're just oh. like, I want to aspire to more, but that's not allowed because my place is to raise children and to make sure that my husband gets further along in his career. Wow. And I know yeah. that's not typical for all Mormon families and relationships and marriages, but that's kind of what mine was. Um, so kind of around that time, ordained women, Kate Kelly, who I love, I think she's a boss, boss bitch. Um, um, I was kind of just, you know, looking, okay, well, what does this mean? Like, why, what is going on? I didn't do a whole lot of deep dive just because of who I was married to. And he was like, you can't read anti and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, all the things. And I was just like, okay, I don't want to rock the boat. But it kind of planned to deceit at that point that I was like okay there is something wrong and as I kind of moved further along within the ranks of Mormon 
service. So I was in primary and I, you know, served in the primary presidency a few times. And then when I, then I became a mother to a girl, she's my, my second child. I wanted more for her. And I was like, what is that? What is, what all does that entail? Just in life in general. Yeah. And when your daughter's so lucky. Oh, thank you. She's, she's a warrior herself. Like girls today are strong and amazing and more capable than I ever was at 11 years old. That is for sure. Um, a fire was then lit under me and I thought these girls deserve more than what's being taught in these books. I remember looking back and dreading young women's lessons. I loved my leaders. I loved my friends, but the lessons were just like the most boring, fluffy, bullshit ever just saying like this bullshit yeah just like remember who you are and your worth and just like this stupid ass you know what is it the, keep the, your virtue virtue like a pearl or don't be like a piece of chewed up bubble gum like yeah all yeah. that fuckery right yeah and i didn't know i hadn't been in young women's for all so i didn't know what they were teaching and i was like Oh my God, if I have to teach a lesson like that, I will seriously lose my mind because these girls today are much more advanced than, you know, we have all this technology, we have all this information coming at us at light speed. These girls know things that I didn't even know when I was 12, 13, 14, 15 years old. Right. These girls are much more intelligent. Like, I know that the church says that you know, this is the, right, the chosen generation. Putting religion and Mormonism aside, I actually truly believe that about the kids on this planet today. They are much more intelligent and astute and aware of what's around them. And I think that's a curse and a blessing. But I think they're well, also so much more accepting and intelligent yeah, I than I was. Like my oh, generation, oh, for, my generation was yeah. so like homophobic and racist. You know, it's like things that we've had to unlearn. And it seems like the generation that's, you know, the kids now, they're so bright and accepting and inclusive. I love it. It's yeah, exactly. So beautiful, absolutely to watch that that unfold. Um, but yeah, when I became young women's president, I was just like this, I can't, I can't do this. So I went in with a mission. I was a woman on a mission. <laughs> Unfortunately, I had a bishop that was a friend of mine. I was good friends with his wife and she's very progressive and, you know, just, she was a baby feminist and she's like, this is not okay. And so, you know, you could definitely tell her, tell that she was in her husband's ear when it came to certain things. And I really appreciated that. But I just was like, I can't sit by and teach some of this stuff. I didn't like teaching in church to begin with because doctrinally, once again, it was not my forte. <laughs> when I got women's president, my mission was to one, make these girls feel loved and included and accepted for who they are and meet them where they're at, not meet them despite their struggles. Like we had the word that, um, that I, well, I guess my records are still in now. There's such an eclectic mix of youth. It's kind of similar to what I grew up with. There's lots of part member families and, you know, families or, you know, girls that have siblings that, you know, have, you know, are, had babies out of, you know, unmarried relationships and, you know, just 
completely different life experiences that you don't normally see if you were in Utah or in this little bubble. And I love that about our ragtag group of girls. I think about them still to this day often and I love them. And I that's the one thing that I do about miss about the church is being able to work with those young women because they were just absolutely the my most favorite people in the entire planet for two and a half years. So my shelf just, yeah, it started to kind of break during that time and kind of lean. And I was kind of already kind of experimenting with word of wisdom stuff, Um, Uh (laughs) you know, green tea, because green tea. (laughs) And then it kind of like maybe that was the gateway drug because then it led to coffee. Occasionally, I had a friend who was also active and in our ward here and when I found out that she drank coffee so we would get Starbucks for each other and then I found out that she drank alcohol so we would sneak off and like go drink and one time we went out one night and she could handle her alcohol pretty well because she would kind of sneak it occasionally and I the only time I would drink it was when my then husband would go out of town and I would make myself a nice little cocktail (laughs) I'd hide it in pockets of my house so that he wouldn't find it yeah it was I actually got discovered. He actually found the alcohol <gasps> and called me. I was visiting my 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 mom and my sister, and he called me literally right after I got home from going drinking with my sister. <laughs> and he was like, I found alcohol in the closet. And I was like, not worried about that. I was more upset the fact that he was snooping around in my closet while I was out of town. Yeah, yeah. That is inappropriate. Why are you digging through my closet? He was actually pretty okay about it, but I was just like, I don't know. I'll just tell him that I don't know if this is true. Yeah. Apologize and kind of go through the motions of being sorry when I wasn't actually sorry. I still kept doing it. I still was hiding it. I didn't give a fuck. Like, I was like, there's nothing wrong with it. The sky isn't falling because I had a cocktail at lunch with a friend. Like, I'm not getting some sort of crazy disease my children are still healthy and living and my husband still has a job like exactly yeah celestial jesus doesn't really care if you have a cocktail Mm -hmm. that's no whether or not you're an asshole to your people that's all he cares about right Mm -hmm. yeah so yeah (laughs) it's kind of i think it was yeah once i started kind of experimenting with alcohol and like just word of wisdom stuff I was kind of like okay there's nothing wrong with this and then um yeah there was a big thing so so this month is actually one year to the day not to the day but almost to the day that I told my then husband that I wanted a divorce oh wow that I was leaving the Mormon church all within (gasps) a week Whoa, that's amazing. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> that's like Whoa. so heavy and big and a huge change all at once. Wow. It was, yeah, I think once I made a decision to leave my husband, when I said those words, I want a divorce, I haven't been happy for a long time, I don't love you, a weight was lifted. Mm-hmm. And I finally then understood peace and comfort and freedom at that point. And I was like, okay, the sky isn't falling because I said those words. Right. And then when I said the words, 
I'm I'm leaving the church or at that time I was taking a break from it. Um, again, the weight was lifted. There was nothing but peace and calm and serenity. And that's when I knew that those two decisions were decisions I could never come back from. That was June. I literally have I literally have goosebumps like all over my arms. Me too. Amazing. Literally, my eyes are wet now. And I said that in a weird way instead of just saying I'm crying or have tears. living in Germany too long. I was going to say that's a kind of a European thing. Yeah. What a weirdo. But basically, like, I am so proud of you. Like, that's an amazing accomplishment. And I know it's a weird way to say accomplishment, but the fact that you were able to recognize that you were unhappy and the reasons why and to make that change. And you're, you were in a place in life where it's not just a change like an easy, like I'm going to change a career, but it's like a marriage, you know, ending your religion, um, you have kids, like, and then coming on our show and talking about it, it wow. it's, it's incredible. So thank you. And also know, like, you're a brave, badass bitch. So <laughs> does to you. Thank you. No, I appreciate that. Yeah, I, it was weird. It was I was talking with, you know, I was still consulting with my bishop and stake presidents, stake president who are still friends of mine. And I really respected those them as as people like my stake president is a marriage and family therapist. So he knows his stuff. I was, you know, talking with him about leaving my marriage and leaving the church and something that kind of then solidified my distrust in the church was them saying. And granted, again, these are two people that I that I love and respected Mm -hmm. that kind of questioned my ability to actually know myself. When I said Mm -hmm. I have peace and calm and stillness and strength, when I said the words that I want out of my marriage and you're telling me that that I'm wrong because I want to leave my marriage yet. I'm feeling all the things that we're taught is good. When we ask God or source or the universe for help with this situation and you're telling me because I feel peace and I'm leaving my and I want to leave my marriage that I'm wrong like uh, fuck you I'm done. Yeah, like exactly. this is okay you were then again teaching me to distrust myself which is what the exactly. Mormon does it teaches you to not actually trust yourself and know who you actually are and that is completely damaging so yes. damaging mm-hmm. yeah it's it's teaching you not to a have emotions and to feel them but also to acknowledge and and take your own advice like your own intuition and instincts and use your intelligence that you have like it's all of those things it's like hey don't deal with it if you have emotions push them down and then if they continue just like keep pushing through and telling yourself that that's just satan trying to get you off track right just just pray and read your scriptures and go to the temple like I hated going to the temple even after they changed the videos and made them quote unquote better like I would sit there and you know they they changed the videos to the point that you know Eve had more of a storyline which I did appreciate as a feminist like okay Eve is having more of a voice in this but it still was just like the verbiage and the whole thing in general just no, yeah, it was just. It's, I hate going to the temple. I was like, why do I have to go and spend date night? Like, ugh. why can't we do something fun? Like, 
I don't know, go to the movies, you know? Maybe you might be in a cult if that's what you do for date night. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, yes. International House of Handshakes is, I think, the most recent thing that I saw on one of those Mormon meme Instagrams. <laughs> oh, the handshakes, yeah. Yes, International House of Handshakes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've not seen that one. Oh, my God. I think it was, like, Brigham Young's more like meme stank memes or something I don't one of those or the Rammy Yum Dum or one of those <laughs> yeah oh good <laughs> um okay so I'm very curious and I know our listeners are too to kind of get into maybe you could tell us about how it is raising children with some like I mean you're you're divorced but you're also you have to co-parent right and he's still mm. Mormon right and so how does that work and how do you navigate that and all of the stuff that comes with that like I'm sure our listeners are dying to know because we get the question all the time (laughs) yeah I am not an expert by any means I've only been you know I my divorce was only finalized in May um but just kind of working through it and like I said my partner has been great he's exmo he's been very supportive of um, this journey that I'm on, he, he's been out for about four years, but um, he's Aww. he's super supportive and, you know, he has kids too. And so we kind of co-parent in a way. But um, it's interesting for sure when you have a believer and a non-believer. I am completely a non-believer in every way. Like, I don't believe in any, any Jesus or God. I know that there's a higher source, but I don't believe in like a Christian God. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it's interesting to be able to parent my kids appropriately when they when they're still in they're still going and doing sacrament meeting at home because of covid and um how I, do you feel about that um you know at first it was fine especially because you know as we were going through the divorce i really wanted stability and consistency for my kids and i knew even though i didn't believe i knew that that was the one thing that was constant in their life oh okay that, to primary singing all the songs doing scripture study that was the one constant that they had and if I could keep that constant for them then everything else would then become easier at some point if I kept little consistencies in their life right and keeping up yeah yeah absolutely but now no go ahead please I was just gonna ask sorry now I'm the interrupter Um, I'm just curious, and you don't have to talk about this if this is too personal, but if your kids are of baptism age or if that's already happened or, like, if they're going to be that and how you would, like, feel about them being baptized. But if that's too personal, you don't know. No, it's not at all. Absolutely. I'm so glad you asked that question. So my kids are 15, 11, and 7. Um, Okay. A boy, girl, boy. And so my youngest is due to be baptized next year and he's asked me to come sing at his baptism and I was talking with my partner Tucker about it because he plays the piano beautifully and I said babe like what do we do like the little guy asked us or asked me to sing will you play the piano and he's like I don't know if I can go to the church building I was like but you got to do it for the little guy anyway um I I don't oh it's so complicated, right? Because can an eight-year-old actually make a decision like that for themselves? No, they're being told by the people around them that that is what is expected 
love them. When you place right. expectations on a child like that, they are not going to want to let you down, especially with my kids when they've gone through something pretty traumatic this this past year with COVID and you know their parents getting a divorce. They are on this mode of we have to do everything right so that mom and dad don't, you know, initially that mom and dad don't get a divorce. But now it's like, now we need to do this so mom and dad stay happy. I know that my ex-husband, God, I can't believe I'm saying this. I know that he often talks too much with the kids about his emotions and how he's feeling. Mm. I tend to be a little bit more closed off. I want my kids to know that I have emotions, but I don't sit there and use them as my therapist. And I know okay. for a fact that he's done that, especially with my 15-year-old. Um, he carries a lot of the weight of oh. his father's emotions. And I've seen that, especially in the last couple of weeks, you know, with the holidays upcoming and I had the kids for Thanksgiving and um, my 15 year old said to me, you know, dad said his dad said that he's feeling really sad this week because he's missed us. And I'm like, well, that's not really an appropriate thing to say, but okay, whatever. Oh. Like, oh. Uh, so yeah, back to baptism, I think, you know, and as my 15 year old is getting ready to serve a mission, maybe someday, um, I think just letting your kids know that you love them and you will meet them where they are at. With the eight year old, I think that's a little bit different. I think just not, I don't talk to him about it. I don't say, yeah. are you excited to get baptized? I don't have those conversations with him. He has mentioned to me before, oh, I'm excited to get baptized. And so I sit and ask questions like, well, why are you excited to get baptized? And just kind of asking those questions to kind of do those things because Mormons don't do that. They don't ask, well, why do you want to get baptized? They're just like, yay, I'm so proud of you. You're making mommy and daddy so happy. Like then again, putting those unnecessary expectations on kids. Yeah, right. Exactly. I think just opening the dialogue as your kids get older and letting them know you love them and you support them, even if it's contrary to what you believe, I think will go a long way especially as they grow and develop mentally that they will then recognize, Oh, mom was super supportive, even though she didn't believe what I did, what I was doing. And right. I think that's something that a parent can do. Yeah. I think that's like, first of all, it's really admirable that you act that way because I, I definitely do know of a lot of parents who unfortunately don't think that way. And especially in, in these types of situations, maybe not as a, religion may be playing into it but just divorce situations in general it's a lot of unfortunate parenting that it, it, they use the kids as chess pieces and trying mm -hmm. to get back at the other one and so they don't take into consideration the kids feelings and like I've, I've seen that in my own family with some of the divorces and it's really sad um, but I think it's really it's really amazing to see that you're putting your kids first and putting them and their needs at the forefront. And it's something that I think comes with being selfless, but also at a, an emotional maturity as well. Like I was even talking with uh, Greg before about like, okay, with our future kids, like if one of them decides to be religious or Mormon, like I can't deal with it. Like you're going to have, like, I will just be very much like, no. <laughs> and you're going to have to be the one that talks to him. And he's like, well, yeah, of course, like I, I wouldn't, you know, I'm not going to tell them they can't either way. But that says a lot to him because he grew up atheist. He didn't have this religion. So for him, he's just like he's very open and is accepting. And his job is like, I just want to make sure that they do whatever they think is best. Of course, as parents, like you have to 
you know, lead them a bit or like, you know, be solid grounding for them. And obviously you don't want to be like, yeah, join a cult, do whatever you want. (laughs) But at the same time, you know, it's like it is their choice. And so it was interesting because we had this conversation. I just thought like, I, I mean, of course we don't have kids yet, but it's just like, if that day ever happened, I don't know how I would respond. I think if my kid was like, yeah, I want to convert to Christianity or like Mormonism, because I still have family in the Mormon church and I could see them like, possibly trying to get them to convert I just don't think I would be as empathetic or understanding or selfless like I I basically just told him you have to take care of that because I won't be able to I'll just be like mom's gotta leave because I can't keep my mouth shut like (laughs) right I think you would be surprised Sarah I think because you've come out of it on the other side and you've grown so much as a person I think your kids will absolutely respect that in you. And if you can be honest with them, I think that's the best thing you can do. Like it may be hard to have those conversations with them, but I, you know, I think um, we as women, there's all this expectation just even socially to be, you know, perfect women. And especially if and when you become a mother, there's this expectation of becoming a martyr. And Glennon Doyle said it perfectly when she said, motherhood does not equal martyrdom the worst thing you can do I'm paraphrasing but the worst thing you can do for your kids is to sacrifice yourself on behalf of your kids because what does that tell your kids like you know you've essentially stopped living because you had to take care of them yeah that is powerful that gave me some goosebumps yeah best thing to do is just show them that you know you are willing to be yourself and to be brave and to go out into the world and speak your truth. And for them to see that, I think is the greatest blessing. I remember as I was struggling, even though I knew for a fact that I was leaving my husband, that I didn't want to be in that marriage anymore. And I was leaving Mormonism. I would sit there and think, is this the best thing for my kids? And when I read Lennon's words, that if I allow myself to have permission to live my life freely as I see fit, then that's the most beautiful gift I can give my kids instead of being stuck in this marriage where I'm unhappy. And what does it show my daughter? Like, what does it show her that it's okay to be in a marriage where I am completely unhappy and that my partner isn't willing to work and meet me where I'm at? What does it show my son that it is okay to have a submissive and meek wife. No, you want a wife that has opinion and and isn't afraid to show who she really is. I had to push that down for 17 and a half years. I was not the the June that you are talking to right now. That's not who I was when I married my then husband. I am a completely different, I'm not a completely different person, but I was never actually true to who I, who I am. If you could see me right now, I'm, I'm bowing to the mic. That's I literally got some some tears. Those are all I am just I am just her her follower. I have joined the cult of Glennon Doyle. I have joined a new cult. <laughs> <laughs> and it is the cult of Glennon Doyle, Abby Wambach, and Jen Hatmaker. That they are my holy trinity. I bow down to those sisters every day. They are inspirations to my like. I yeah. So that's I don't know. I Yeah, (laughs) I think you're so inspirational. And I really, I really took a lot away from what you were saying about being an example for your children is 
treating yourself right and actually being yourself. Because if you're not doing that and you're not taking care of yourself and being honest, then why would they? And they would just get more confused. And it's just really beautiful and and strong. And I love that. And I think that's the best advice that you could give is to really be yourself. And that take helps you take care of your loved ones, like truly. So Absolutely. thank you. So thank and you. My therapist also said, like, you know, when you're parenting somebody or parenting children with, you know, an ex-spouse, oftentimes we think, as the person on the other side that we kind of have to conform or react to what the other parent is doing. I, I sometimes find myself doing that with, you know, my kids, like they come back here and they're crazy and they're, this is going to sound bad, but they, they feel a little bit unhappy and kind of stifled. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's a, the automatic reaction to kind of react to what's happening and, or feel like I have to conform to what my ex-husband expectations are of me as a mother which fuck him I don't need to confirm to anything that he is requiring of me but yet he is still emotionally unhealthy and toxic like that's still trickling in because of my kids uh, uh. I do is to stay in alignment again with what my truth is and what I'm wanting to convey to my kids and what I think is the most beneficial for them and not what is, and I don't even I don't worry about what my ex-husband is doing with the kids. I kind of close myself off. I say he is a capable adult. Yes, we don't see eye to eye on a lot of things and we don't parent the same way. But my children are safe. They are loved in the best way that my ex-husband knows how to love them. And, you know, they have grandparents here, which that's a whole other episode. But like they my children are safe. They are cared for. They have two parents, albeit not in the same home, but they are loved. And what I do is just do the best that I can and recognize that I am not perfect. They don't expect me to be perfect. I think as parents, we think that we have to come in, you know, horns blazing, you know, banners waving. We have to be these perfect humans. We're not. The best thing we can do is show our kids that we are on a journey as well and they can walk alongside us and you know we can help them discover more about who they are and not force them to become something that we have in our minds I to be we my my way of parenting has definitely changed since I've left Mormonism my my dreams and hopes for them have changed and I was talking with a friend about it and she said you know it's almost like having a newborn again your ex your dreams and hopes for your children are changed. I don't want my children to think that they have to be married in the temple or that they have to go on a mission. Like obviously in Mormonism, those are my dreams for my kids to have a happy temple marriage, even though mine necessarily wasn't happy, but now they're not completely different. I still want my children to be happy and whole human beings. I want them to find partners that love them and accept them and meet them where they're at. I want them to experience everything in life, everything physically, emotionally, sexually, I want them to experience those things so that they can have a full and whole life. So that when they come to my age, almost 40, that they not so much look back and regret, but just say, hey, I had a parent who loved them and appreciated them and helped me on this journey and helped me recognize that I am beautiful where I am at. I mean, I've said it again, uh, but yeah, your your kids are very lucky to have a, an incredibly open-minded and supportive mom. Like that means 
the world to every single person, like no matter if you're a kid or an adult, just to know you have that person, that parent who loves you unconditionally and who just really wants the best for you. And it's not a matter of the kid living out expectations that you've placed on them or the religion has or society or whatever, but just knowing that, you know, you have someone there who loves you and wants you to be happy in whatever choice you make. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. This has been such a joy to have you on the show. I think we're going to have to have a round two, June. I'm sorry. Sorry, I was going to say, I think we're going to have to have a round two, like have you back for another episode, because I'm sure we're going to have quite a few questions and follow ups. And yeah, I I, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for telling us your story, your truth, everything. Thank you for allowing me to share this space and to get what little advice and knowledge I have out into the universe. This has been extremely therapeutic and sorry, just very needed at this time. Like I said, it's been a year since all this happened and it's kind of, this is the close of the chapter. essentially me being able to share my story and put it out into the universe. So thank you lovely so much for this opportunity. Really appreciate it. Oh, I have all the warm fuzzies. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> but really, we're so lucky and so privileged, and we, we're just super happy that you're on the show and that you share, shared your story. And like I said, definitely, um, I think we're going to have to have you back for another episode, so just prepare for that. Um, I and I, I know that our listeners are going to be super excited because, as Katie mentioned, we've had this question asked us for since the beginning of the podcast. So I think you're going to relate and connect to a lot of people and really help them in whatever situation they're in. And I I think that's beautiful that your story is being shared and it's helping people. Yes, for sure. Thank you. And I guess that wraps it up this week, you guys. Thank you for listening and we'll be back next week. Bye.